The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The hospitality industry is one of the fastest-growing industries in an improving economy. There are new career opportunities popping up in restaurants, hotels, and travel. Get the inside scoop today. Welcome to the Hospitality News Network with Stephen Nicole. Our hope is that you'll look at this industry in a whole new light. Now, here's your host, Stephen Nicole. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hospitality Industry News Network. It's November 16th. Hope you're enjoying this month of November so far. It's passing by very quickly. My guest today is Angelo Prosperi Porta. He has worked in some of Canada's best fine dining restaurants and hotels. In 1999, he and his partner opened up Angel's Cooking School and Cooper's Cove in Souk, B.C. His first book, Flavors of Cooper's Cove Guest House, won multiple awards and rave reviews from such people as Canadian Bookseller Magazine, Eat Magazine, and was even chosen Best First Book in English by the Gourmand World Cookbook Awards. Now, he has written a second book entitled Honey, Everyday Recipes for Cooking and Baking with Nature's Sweetest Secret Ingredient. Welcome, Angelo. Thank you very much for having me, Stephen. What a great topic, honey. I love honey on my toast, and, you know, myself, I only think of honey on a couple of things, like peanut butter and honey and honey on toast and... And so on, but you've written a, a fantastic book of uh, eighty-five. I think it's eighty-five sweet and savory recipes, all about honey. Yeah. Uh, what inspired you to write a book about honey? Well, kind of uh, to go back to what you just said. You like to use tea and, or um, sorry, honey in your tea and on your peanut butter sandwich and on toast, which is great. Uh, I love that also, and it just seemed to me that. Um, this is a very unique ingredient in that it's in everybody's shelf, but very few people do much more with it than put it in their tea or on their toast. What I what I uh, wanted to do and what inspired me was um, when I started to try out different types of honey and realized that there's so many great characteristics to to such a wide variety of honeys. Um, now, there must be some some uh, savory applications for them also, and uh, so that's what I kind of started doing and experimenting. And on any given day, I probably have maybe about fifteen or twenty different types of honey in my cupboard right now. You're kidding! So, I didn't even know uh, there was each, that many. Oh, that's that's barely a drop. There is, um, you know, literally hundreds. The beauty of um, of honey is, you know, similar to uh, wine appellations where the source of the the honey is uh, something that's going to reflect in the taste of it. So it depends on the flowers. It depends on uh, the mineral content of soil. It depends on the age of the honey when it's being stored. Um, all those factors um, have an effect on, uh, on the product. 
And so it leaves it leaves it wide open for for experimentation and and for different uh, flavors to be combined with it. And I guess that varies. Uh, that gives a different taste to each each with each honey with each dish that's prepared with it. Absolutely, and and if you're looking for uh, you know, say for example, a lot of people again use it in their tea, and and most would probably choose um, a honey that was fairly mild in flavor uh, and use it as a sweetener. But when you when you talk about um, other honeys, uh, usually um, darker honeys have a more pronounced flavor. And one of my favorite honeys is a honey I actually discovered in uh, Italy, in Tuscany, and it's a chestnut honey. Wow. And uh, if, it's, if, if people are familiar with the buckwheat honey, it's a, a very dark honey and with very intense flavor and almost a uh, a bitter but you know unpleasant not unpleasant flavor it, it it ends with a with a savory note almost and so those types of honeys uh, are great for roasting and for glazing uh, and uh, savory applications and and in between there's literally you know, thousands of different types of honey. Again, depending on where they're sourced from, you know, the same flower in the different area is going to taste different. Wow. I never thought there were so many honeys and so many dip- different applications for it. Mm-hmm. Honey, no, no, honey I, from a health point of view, I guess cooking with honey is better for you. Well, it's better, but um, you have to keep in mind that it is still a sugar. So it's not like... Um, Say for a diabetic, you could just exchange all your sugar for honey and, and be yes. carefree. It, it is still a sugar. Um, the one good thing about it is that it's much sweeter than sugar, so you actually need to use less of it for that same sweetening level. Um, it's sugar, but it also carries with it uh, other nutrients that you don't find in, in uh, uh, processed sugar. You know, it, it carries, if it's raw honey, it contains uh, pollen from, from the area that it was sourced from. It contains minerals that have, that have come up through the soil and eventually ended up in the nectar and eventually ended up in the honey. Um, so there's a lot of good reasons for it. Um, the main reason I use it is uh, for flavor and uh, the texture it gives to uh, baked goods and uh, just, you know, like I was saying, the variety of uh, tastes that you can get from different honeys. Um, okay. Raw honey is raw honey is great. It, um, it's been touted as a uh, remedy for allergies. If you eat raw local honey, it contains part of the pollen, you know, from that area that, you know, and presumably from plants and trees that uh, a person may be allergic to. And that actually helps to um, lessen those uh, allergic reactions. It kind of boosts your immunity, in other words. Too. It does, yeah. Wow. So now, lots of good reasons. Tell us about your attempt to raise bees. <laughs> well, you heard about that, did you? Yeah. Um, I it was... Well, a good friend of mine uh, is, a, is a professional beekeeper um, that owns uh, Tugwell Creek uh, Meadery out here in Souk. And uh, the reason I wanted to keep bees was because I had a, a fairly large flower and vegetable and fruit garden uh, with my guest house. And so I wanted to be able to you know, produce fruit and, and everything that I could use at my table. So... Um, 
with the help of Bob, Bob set me up with some uh, bees. And um, the way a beehive works uh, is very, it's, it's quite fascinating, actually. If they're found in the, in the right spot, they're situated in the right spot, um, they will flourish. And um, mine certainly did. So we, we set them up in a nice um, south-facing uh, clearing uh, n- near my house. And um, within about a month or so, they had really started to settle in and and develop. And the, the way the hives actually um, work together is, is the queen, of course, will lay the eggs. Um, and then the worker bees will will start, will uh, raise that brood. And um, the fertilized eggs will become uh, female worker bees. And the unfertilized um, larvae will become drones. So those are the males. Wow. Okay. And... Um, so they did very well, and and, and uh, a hive is made up of uh, what's called supers, and, and the supers are the different layers of boxes that you see stacked up when you see a, a beehive. So as the hive expands, you need to add supers on so that they can they can have uh, a brood chamber where they start their their young in, and another chamber where they store honey, and and so on and so on. And as they expand, then you divide those up into other hives, and you, you continue that way. So what happens is when they run out of room, they need space. Then a bee will, or the bees will um, work together and actually begin to feed the larva what's called royal jelly, which actually triggers um, something that turns those particular ones into other queens. Okay. Which we so far. <laughs> yes. And so then, then the bee, then the bees, um, you know, they 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 need space. So what happens when there's multiple queens? Uh, there's a tendency for that hive to to swarm, and that's what happens. So the the old queen takes you know a majority of the worker bees that are in the hive, and they leave the nest and they go and look for another appropriate site, and that leaves room for, for the remaining bees and the new queen. So wow. that happened That <laughs> happened a couple of times. <laughs> um, but the problem was that uh, I was running a guest house, and they chose to swarm into some ornamental trees that were just a little bit too close to the entrance of uh, one of my guest rooms. Yes. Uh, so, you know, I had to... Um, uh, removed the, the beehives. Well, that so not before you know the second time they swarmed. When uh, Bob and I are both in our our big white uh, bee suits, all covered in head to toe, and sitting wow. there, uh, standing standing on the edge of the road trying to collect these bees while a school bus rolls in, and then oh, have a bus stop right in front of my house. So wow. a swarm of about thirty thousand bees. Thirty thousand. Yeah, each each hive has between about thirty uh, to fifty thousand bees. Holy cow! Yeah, yeah. You're, so you're um, brave. That's a <laughs> that's a lot of bees. Well, I, I I'm not brave by by choice. I guess it was by accident. But well, did, um, you, you did know. you manage to get a whole bunch of honey out of it? Uh, that was the sad part. I only had them. All that happened, actually, believe it or not, in about two months. So it was uh, from about March to June, and usually the honey harvest is not until August. 
And so I just I just couldn't take the wow. chance that um, you know we'd have an issue. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the next time. Yeah. So yeah, that was wow, that, that ex- experience. I did learn that you should never stand in front of a, a beehive. Uh, you know, in their flight path, especially oh, on a right? sunny day, especially on a sunny day with sunglasses on. Because what I did learn is that bees, they go for dark spots, and when they when they, they don't intentionally attack, but if they do feel a threat, then they'll go for dark spots, which is usually the eyes, and I got stung. Uh, but it was my own fault. So just a little tip, stand to the side of the hive. <laughs> just one bee stung you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, that was enough, eh? You made a run for that it. That was enough. That. That was enough. I don't. I didn't need to get stung again to, <laughs> you know, to, to That's see for what sure. was going on. <laughs> We're about to pause on our net yeah. for our first break here, Angelo. But uh, when I get back after the uh, the commercial break, you know, I want you to help uh, the listener who perhaps uh, isn't a chef like you are, and how they can mm-hmm. uh, some tips on substituting the honey uh, for sh- you know the honey and you know getting rid of the sugar and honey and sure different ways in which you cook it and the easiest and quickest way to choose a honey perhaps okay everyone stay tuned we're learning a lot about honey from angelo here so uh there's a lot more to come we'll see you right after the break follow us on twitter at voice america trn get the lowdown on guests new shows, and your favorites. That's Voice America TRN. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holds-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s through the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. No matter what your current situation is, you have a unique story to your life. It's a dynamically changing story that requires constant adjustments to lifestyle and environment. That includes your home. As you continue to enhance your living space, you are also making overall improvements to increase the value of your home. Join Laura Minniff each Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time for dynamic insights for your home environment on the Voice America Variety Channel. And start living now. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. 
We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Hospitality Industry News Network. I'm your host, Stephen Nicole. We're talking with Angelo all about honey and his new book entitled Honey, Everyday Recipes for Cooking and Baking with Nature's Sweetest Secret Ingredient. And as if you missed the first part of the show, Angelo was talking about when he was raising honeybees for a short time because they started to get more and more bees and he had to let, you know, had to allow safe passage for people staying in his guest house to get in the door. So he had to get rid of the bees, but Angelo's certainly got a lot to talk about with regards to bees. And we're going to touch on that shortly. If you miss any of this show, just tuning in late, it's available on my host page on voice America variety channel.com. It's an archive 24 seven. It's on available on iTunes, Stitcher and tuned in as well as Google play afterwards as well. And a fascinating topic. Angelo, tell us, uh, give the listeners some uh, tips on uh, cooking with honey and replacing, you know, honey and uh, using it instead of sugar. What would you suggest uh, is the best way to do it, uh, other than buying your then your other than buying your book, of course, which has great uh, illustrations and recipes in it. Yeah. So you mean the second best way? Yes. <laughs> Um, well, what I would recommend really is to start off small at, at the beginning. Um, most dishes, it's not a problem to substitute honey uh, for sugar. Um, it all depends on the personal um, sweetness level that's tolerated. And, um, you know, you can, it's a lot of trial and error, but, you know, the easiest way is to just try small amounts and, and increase or decrease, you know, as you see fit. You know, the, the problem, um, potential problems come in when uh, you're doing some, uh, doing baking, where most recipes, of course, uh, rely on, on formulas. Uh, in the case of a savory dish, you know, whether you cook something for five minutes or ten minutes really doesn't make a whole lot of difference, and, and things cook, and you can always fix them somehow. But with a loaf of bread, of course, or a pastry, once it's in the oven, it's in the oven. Um, so, and, and especially if you're doing, um, preserves and, and things like that. Uh, and that's where you'd probably have the most trouble is, is with preserves. So the best thing is to follow any, uh, particular recipe first, uh, and not necessarily my recipes, but any recipe that includes honey. Um, and try it out at least once first. And then you have an idea of the result, and then you can make some adjustments. A lot of times when you're talking about honey and, and preserves, of course, is you're preserving the food. So if it doesn't have the right level of sugar, um, you may run into problems as far as um, things sporting. Okay, good to know. Now, yeah. in your book, you touch on a lot about the plate of the honeybee. And I know from my own personal yeah. experience, this past summer, I didn't see many bees, period. I don't know what's happened to them. They used to be, there used to be quite a lot of them flying around, at least in this neck of the woods in uh, Ontario. But I have, you know, honestly, uh, it was a mm-hmm. long time in the summer. I never saw a, a bumblebee or a honeybee or anything. 
Well, and I, I think that's a common um, observation from a lot of people. They're, the honeybees are not as plentiful as, as they uh, should be and as they used to be. And, you know, there's a lot of um, discussion on, on how uh, that is and, and what's causing it. Um, probably over the last, you know, at least 10 years, but maybe even a bit more than that. Um, one of the big problems is, is what's called um, colony collapse disorder. And it's basically what it sounds like, a, a whole colony of um, presumably healthy bees um, just suddenly dies off or um, often just disappears from the hive and, and doesn't return. So the, the, the foragers will go out and, do, and start to do their thing, but they don't come back to the hive. And then well, where the do they go? Are, well, that's that's the issue. Um, people don't know exactly where they go. Um, I, I don't believe that it's one reason. Uh, a lot of it has to do with um, uh, monocultures uh, in large farming. Uh, a lot of it may have to do with uh, pesticides and insecticides that are used um, on a daily basis pretty well. You know, everywhere uh, there are some jurisdictions now that are banning some some insecticides. Uh, you may have heard in the news lately. Uh, there's um, a class of insecticides called nicotinoids, and uh, those are especially harmful to to honeybees and pollinators of all types. And you know, even even worse, they're sprayed during the day, which is when uh, bees, of course, are foraging for their nectar. Now, and is this so a they, new they, spray that's just come out in the market, or? Well, it's not a new one. It's it's a class of um, insecticides that have been around for a long time. Um, they're just being used more, uh, especially on large crops. I'm, I'm talking, you know, hundred and thousand acre crops. Um, so what happens is when bees go and forage, they don't, in the wild, they don't go for just one flower, one type of flower. They forage from, you know, hundreds of different uh, types of plants. But when uh, the bees are, are trucked in to, say, an acre, a thousand acres of one product, there's one type of flower there. And so the nutrients and the different um chemicals and uh, nutrition that the bee would get from each different flower, they're not getting. They're only getting what they would get from one flower. So okay. that weakens them. They're not as strong as they should be. And then put on top of that chemicals and, um, you know, insecticides and pesticides. And a lot of that is taken back to the hive. And then it just, it multiplies and snowballs. That's, that's one theory. And I, you know, I think there's something to that. Um, but when they're weak, it also makes them susceptible to natural um, pests. You know, the bees have pests also. There's the varroa mites that actually stick to the bodies and, you know, they're like leeches and they, they suck life out of the bees. There's uh, nosema spores, which actually live inside the bee in their stomachs. And again, oh, wow. just to draw, draw strength from them and um, they weaken that way. So, you know, if they have an attack like that and then say it's a, it's a harsh winter, that's a double whammy that the bees just cannot handle. So that's, that's, that's one theory. Um, there's a, you know, like I say, there's a lot of different reasons, but it, um, 
it seems to be effective or more effective where there's a lot of bee action and where there's a lot of trading of, of bees. The bees are shipped across borders from you know beekeepers to beekeepers, and okay. often uh, if they're not inspected. Um, they can bring in um, infections or bring in uh, mites and things like that. So it, it's a lot of things, a lot of reasons. Um, but, you know, the best thing we can do, I think, is to um, encourage an environment where um, they do well. You know, we're, I'm, I'm here on Vancouver Island, and we're quite lucky here because as an island, we're fairly isolated, and the bees have done fairly well. On Vancouver yes. Island, they, they've still been, um, you know, a little bit protected from from the rest. But Vancouver Island, over the last, you know, um, five to ten years, has had its issues with the colony collapse, and you know, um, beekeepers have lost maybe up to twenty five or fifty percent of their bees. Wow! Where others others around the world, believe it or not, have lost close to ninety, or they've been completely decimated altogether. Could be the gist of climate change as well. It could be climate change, which allows um, uh, the different mites that are attacking them uh, to to flourish. And you know, and that's why I think it's it's kind of a, a double whammy. It's not just one thing, but if if one thing weakens them, the other thing will be what finishes them off. Wow! Now we got a so couple of minutes we, till. We got a couple of minutes to break, uh, Angela. But what can we do about it as the indi- as an individual to, you know, help well, people flourish? Um, I always encourage uh, actually frequent- frequenting um, local farmers markets. You know, using utilizing their products and, and supporting their products, where in turn they will be able to. Um, provide more forage for the bees and uh, provide, you know, better crops, healthier crops where they're not um, exposed to a lot of these uh, chemicals and they're not exposed to a lot of stress. Um, yes. As an individual, you know, what I, I plant flowers, like bee-friendly flowers wherever um, there's a space, you know, substitute your, your fertilized front lawn with uh, a wildflower field. You know, plant okay. wildflowers in pots. If you live on a deck, you can plant flowers in a pot. You know, anything yes. that will attract um, the bees, you know, gives them that much more uh, forage. Um, they don't have to go uh, as far to find it. You know, a bee will fly probably up to about five miles a day in search of um, nectar. So if they don't have to go that far, if they have something more uh, close by, then they're going to be that much stronger. There's, there's Now there's... Uh, Beekeepers in the middle of cities. You know, I know of a lot of hotels that are actually keeping bees on top of their roofs and in the wow. middle of uh, Victoria or Vancouver or even Toronto. And uh, chefs are using those um, the products from that in their cooking and, and using it as a promotional item in their menus. Um, so, you know, if they're surviving in the city and they're able to forage, forage in the city, um, then, you know, Pretty well anywhere. If you plant something for them, um, they'll do well. It's not just for honeybees. It's also for other pollinating insects, too. Yes. Wow. Okay. So it's, yeah. Well, after the break, I want to talk a little bit about your first book as well. Oh, I'd love to. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just to finish off the uh, talk about the honey book here just for a second, some beautiful illustrations. 
Beautiful pictures. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah we it's had not a just of... the recipes, but it's the pictures as well. Well, thank you. And I, I hope uh, it's a, it's a uh, package that, that people will enjoy. Uh, I'm I'm certain they will, and uh, we're going to get right back to you, Angelo, right after this break. After uh, we'll see you at the other end of two minutes. Everyone, stay tuned. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on voiceamerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E dot com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hospitality Industry News Network. We've got a great guest on today's show, Angelo Prospiri, Prospiri Porta. I hope I pronounced that right. His parents came from Italy. And uh, he's born Canadian, but, uh, you know, he's worked in uh, fine dining restaurants and hotels. And uh, in 1999, he opened up Angel's Cooking School in Cooper's Cove in Souk, B.C. I'm familiar with that area because that's where I spent my honeymoon. His first book. Beautiful area. Yeah. His first book, Flavors of Cooper's Cove Guest House, as I mentioned in the intro, won multiple awards. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that book, Angela. Well, the, my first book, um, Flavors, was basically inspired by um, my guests at, at my guest house. Uh, we had Angelo's Cooking School, 
and uh, we would do usually five course menus where I utilized uh, ingredients and um, produce from my own garden and also sourced um, ingredients from, from the area. So fresh fish and, and uh, local meats like rabbit and um, duck and things like that and chicken. Um, but what I wanted to do with it um, was to create recipes and uh, showcase recipes using uh, local, you know, available, easy to recognize ingredients. And so you won't find um, things like caviar and foie gras, which I love both of those, but I wanted it to be something that people would immediately recognize and, and, and could go to and, and be able to find when they want to cook it themselves. And so it's a showcase of all those recipes, um, some from my background in hotels as a pastry chef and, and in other restaurants and kitchens. Um, so everything from breakfast baking to uh, breakfast entrees to appetizers, main courses through to desserts. So it's over 200 recipes in there. And wow. the beauty of it, the beauty of it was that uh, I had a team working with me of local people. You know, one was uh, literally across the street. That was my photographer. He lived across the street. Yes. And uh, when he wasn't raising his geese and ducks and rabbits, <laughs> he would come down and take some photos. Um, so that was uh, the kind of cool part about it. And, and uh, the designer was also a local lady and, you know, just very enthusiastic. Neither of us had any experience in putting the book together, but I knew I wanted to put pretty well everything I had in this book, you know, it may be my only book. So the photography kind of reflects that. It, we have photos from pretty well every recipe, which you don't usually find it in a book. No. And, um, you know, it's very much a book from, from the heart. It's pretty well put all out there and it was very well received. So we um, did well with it here in on the island. And as you mentioned, Jerry, you won some um Canadian Culinary Book Award and the Gourmand Award and uh, I had a Publishers Award, so it was, uh, I was quite pleased with it. And the beauty of it now is, is that when I look at it, I, it still seems relevant, and people yes. uh, are still commenting on the book that you know, even though like it wasn't a trendy book, it was just a book of what I considered good food, and um, it's you know, it's um, proved that by by still being around you know this much later. Wow. So, so I'm quite proud of it. You should be. And you know what? Uh, it's not easy to write a book, any kind of no, book. No, it, it, it does take time. And, and um, uh, it's, it's tough to, you know, when you're trying to make a living at the same time, it, it uh, takes time. So, you know, each of these books is, has taken me about three years to, to put together from start to, you know, actually having it a printed copy in hand. Wow. Now tell us a little bit about... Uh, your background, you, you opened up the uh, guest house in 1999, was it? In 1999, yeah. Um, prior to that, I was a pastry chef um, in Whistler, B.C. It's a well-known ski resort in B.C. And uh, before that, I, I worked on Vancouver Island in several different restaurants um, and hotels, um, starting out as, as a cook and then moving into um, the pastry cook and, and, and baking and so, um, you know, I had, a, I had a hand in a lot of different things, which is, which is what I enjoy in my profession. I'm quite 
fortunate to be able to try a lot of different aspects of the same industry as far as the kitchen is concerned. And um, so I, I um, really enjoy the baking end of it and the pastry end of it and also uh, the savory end of it too. So I, I, that's what I like to do is kind of put together a whole meal and, and um, you know, get a great satisfaction of balancing, you know, you know five or six course meal. And, uh, that, you know, that's one end. And then, you know, just being able to do different things, uh, such as write the book or do some, uh, cooking demonstrations. Um, for a few years now, I've, I've been working, uh, as a camp cook and, uh, as a, as a catering what? Ca- a camp cook, a camp cook camp. What's the, yeah. Oh, a camp, camp cook. cook. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, so I've been able to, uh, you know, get out to Alberta and, you know, in the oil fields when uh, things were good, and uh, northern BC, and just this past summer, I was uh, lucky enough to get up to the Arctic, actually, up to uh, places like Baffin Island and and see what that's all about, and that's all due to cooking, you know, so that's one thing I... I kind of stress to, you know, younger cooks coming up now, uh, you don't know where your career is going to take you. I, I certainly didn't. Yes. And you know, tell it, us about Baffin Island. What was it like up there? Well, it's very clear. You can see a long way when it's, when it's not <laughs> uh, fogged in. Uh, it's amazing. It's um, like something like it, nothing I've ever seen before because it's so starkly beautiful. We were on, uh, you know, on a, about a 3,000 uh, foot high mountain where our actual camp was. And from up there, on a clear day, you can see across the strait, and basically we're facing towards Greenland. So it was wow. how far up we were. But it, it's stark. It's um, The vegetation at most levels is non-existent. When you get down to about sea level, in, in August, you can see some vegetation. But other than yeah. that, it's it's cool. It's um, windswept. It's uh, really rough in the winter. Um, but it's such a contrast to where I grew up and, and where I live now. You know, yes. here we're 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 green and got um, mild climate. But up there, it's uh, it's rocky. It's uh, no trees, no color. So it's quite, it's quite amazing. Yeah. Now, uh, may I ask what they they were doing there? It's it was a camp. So, what were they doing? Well, Mining or what are they doing? What I what I've been um, catering to lately is what it actually is is a defense line across the north, and it's oh. a line of uh, radar stations that stretch from Alaska all the way across the north, all the way over to uh, Gander and Goose Bay. Wow! So right across the continent. So it's a joint uh, American and Canadian effort. That's it's been there since about the uh, mid fifties. Yeah, like NORAD. So, yeah, so it used to be referred to as the Dew Line, but okay. now it's referred to as the uh, it's a North uh, Warning System. Okay. And that's basically what it is. It's a it's a series of radar stations about forty seven across the North. And so when oh. they're doing when they're doing um, maintenance or upgrading on radar stations and, and whatever else might be needed, they send crews in there and then the crews need to be fed, of course. So um, they, they also send in chefs and depending on the size of the crew. Yes. Now, so, so, were your were your parents uh, in the restaurant business or? 
I'm not in the business, but my mother was a very good cook. She was, um, even amongst her peers, you know, her sisters and and other aunts and and other Italian ladies, uh, she was uh, often complimented on on her cooking skills. And, you know, unfortunately, she's not here to to see my my, uh, work, but uh, I still have, you know, aunts and uh, other ladies that speak very well of her as a cook. So, so you started uh, cooking yeah, so, in, uh, you started cooking on Vancouver Island? Uh, actually, I grew up in Paul River, B.C. So it's across, okay. uh, it's across the water. It's, uh, it's on the coast of uh, B.C., but it's uh, across the water from Vancouver Island. Wow. So, uh, yeah, I started there, uh, you know, mostly just harassing my mother in the kitchen with uh, whenever she was making some pasta or or doing uh, her thing in there, I'd always be sticking my nose in there and you know testing out the tomato sauce just to make sure it was yes, okay. You yes. know, like like she needed it. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so I, I came from a general you know interest in in just food and you know life in general. You know, as an Italian family, uh, food is always kind of the focus of uh, every day, really. Yes. Now, yeah, I was, you know, the reason why I bring that up is because you mentioned earlier about uh, cooking as a career, and I, was, I see a lot of people just get in the business, and, uh, you know, they're, you know, they're sort of waiting for them, you know, something else to do or whatever. They're not really mm-hmm. that passionate about it, but there's a lot of opportunity if one looks into it. Well, there is a lot of opportunity, and I'm glad you mentioned the word uh, passion, because uh, passion, you know, will take you know, uh, a, a cook a long way because it, it can be a very tough industry. And, and you know, a lot of um, what I see these days uh, really does a disservice to the, the food industry because it paints a picture of, uh, of rosiness and instant success and, uh, you know, yes. superstardom, which, which you know, the food can network. come, but... Yeah. yeah, and so it can come to, but to very few people, you know, but you can still carve out a very successful uh, career for yourself um, with your passion. You know, I, I've been cooking for over 30 years now, and, you know, I, I feel as strongly about it now as I did back then. I don't have the energy that I had back then, but <laughs> I feel, you know, just as strongly about it. And, you know, one thing that, you know, people starting out these days um, you should keep in mind is that, you know, just stay focused in what you're doing and, you know, believe in what you're doing. And uh, that will take you a long way. That, that will show people will recognize that and uh, that will help you. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, um, you know, riches at the beginning. No. You know, it's a hard, it's a hard industry. Okay, maybe on that note, we'll take our last break. But I maybe when we get back, I want to hear about what your future plans are, and perhaps uh, maybe just add a little bit to what you just said, and and uh, how you open up the bed and breakfast uh, or the guest house, because uh, you know going into your own business isn't an easy decision. But obviously, you've had great success in it. Maybe you could pass on some words of wisdom for our listeners. Absolutely. All right, we'll be back right after two minutes. Stay tuned. We're talking with Angelo Prosperi Porta and his new book about honey. All right, we'll see you after two minutes.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you love to travel? Do you love adventure so much that when you read about it, you cannot stop until you have finished? Most of all, though, do you like to read a memoir that is totally honest and doesn't cover up anything? The author just tells it like it is. Stephen Nicole's first book, You Only Live Once, will fulfill your wish. Whether you're thinking of a career in the hospitality industry or just want to read a personal, upfront, no-holes-barred memoir, this book will whet your appetite. Go to stephennicole.com to order your copy or email him directly for an autographed copy. That's stephennicole.com. A life coach, Stephen Nicole, can be contacted to help you get what you want in life. 17 years from the time he took a bartending course, Stephen traveled around working in the hospitality industry, moving up the ladder as he went along, tasting both the bitter and the sweet. Along the way, Stephen rode the ebb and flow from the vibrant 80s to the turbulent 90s. Stephen found what his heart was truly looking for to begin a new chapter in his life. For a free intake interview, you can mail Stephen directly to set up a time at ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You are listening to the Hospitality News Network. We'd love to hear from you with questions or comments about the show. Drop us a line at ssnicole at rogers.com. That's ssnicole, N-I-C-O-L-L-E, at rogers.com. Now, back to the Hospitality News Network. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hospitality Industry News Network. We're with Angelo. Angelo, I'd be remiss, and I know I haven't asked you this question, what are some of your favorite recipes in that book, All About Honey? Well, there's there's a couple here that, um, one in particular that, you know, reminds me of my youth. It's it's a sweet dish, and it's called the melati. And what I like about it is that it's, it's a unique dish to the town that uh, my parents came from. And, okay. you know... Um, you know, at heart, it, it's really just a uh, a donut, a deep fried donut. But it's it's made in a in a ball. It's scooped into a ball, and it's a it's a sweet that is made during Carnival, um, which is um, basically what we in North America we know it as Mardi Gras. Okay. In New in New Orleans, so it's at the same time in Europe, and so it's it's a very dense uh, batter that's flavored with white wine and with lemon and vanilla. And um, deep fried in little round balls, about walnut size, and that are then uh, dipped in warm honey wow. and served served warm. And so those are, those are hands down my favorite. I I can't tell you how many I ate when I was testing out the recipe. Um, wow! And another, okay. yeah, yeah, they're pretty good. So and another unique one um, is another dessert, and it's a, a spiced honey and roasted yam mousse. So you you don't really think of yam as a dessert, no. But uh, in this case, the the yam is roasted, and the yams are quite sweet as they are. So they make a great base for for anything sweet like that. And uh, so then the yam is pureed, and it's uh, it's a very light dessert that's um, combined with some uh, lightly whipped um, whipping cream and and uh, honey 
and uh, almonds and, and spices that are reminiscent of Christmas or Thanksgiving. So it's, it's a nice holiday dessert. Yes, and I was just thinking with, of that. It's a season for it. Yeah, so along with it, I make a, a, um, a caramel out of sliced almonds and honey. And that's as a garnish on the plate. And it, it's quite a nice um, dessert. It's, it's different because it's just light, but it's still very flavorful. You know, so in the book as well, you talk favorite. about even making your own honey throat lozenges. Yeah, yeah. So you can, you know, you can often see uh, lozenges, especially this time of year, um, that are designed for to soothe your throat. But you can make them at home. It's it's a not a difficult recipe, but a, a recipe that is kind of broken up into uh, several steps. And if you all you have to do is do the separate steps. Um, uh, in order, and basically you're cooking sugar and creating this uh, hard candy almost, but it's flavored with things like eucalyptus and with uh, rosemary and uh, some different fresh herbs and uh, honey, of course. So in that one, I would use a dark honey um, yes. to give yourself uh, you know, a lot more honey flavor, and it actually does work as, as a great uh, throat soother um, if you have a cough or a cold. Well, it sounds great. That's another unique um, recipe in the book. It's just something a little different. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I I picked out a Mexican hot chocolate with honey and chipotle. Oh, yeah. Well, there's another favorite. It's, um, again, you know, the Mexicans, uh, when they were were, um, Aztecs, you know, they started the whole thing with chocolate. And uh, originally, it was a very—it's a much um, leaner drink, uh, basically ground-up um, cocoa with uh, hot water and, and chilies and things like that. And then, um, when the Spaniards moved into uh, North America and and went into Mexico and discovered this, they started to sweeten it with with sugar. And so, I just—I enriched this recipe a little bit with um, with milk and. and uh, Added a bit of honey, of course, and uh, a little smoked uh, chipotle pepper in there. So it has a little bit of a edge to it, yes. but it's uh, um, a very you know warming, soothing um, hot chocolate drink. It's very rich. You want to use real good chocolate for that, not not just any mix, and uh, make it your own from scratch. And you know it's actually quite simple to do. It's quite. I know delicious. that would that would warm me up on a cold winter's day out here in Ontario, uh, that's for sure. Absolutely. And if you accidentally spilled something else into it, you know, that might be even better. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, you yeah. know what? The book also talks about, uh, you know, roasting, smoking, or barbecuing meats with honey. And I just want to tell the listener, this, this book has got, like, every course, there's something with honey in it. Like the appetizer, mm-hmm. the entree, yeah. the dessert, the drinks. Yeah. So, and and that's what I wanted to do is kind of showcase the um, the versatility of of the ingredient. You know, we do barbecue sauces, um, but a barbecue sauce, you know, made with honey, um, to me, is that much more flavorful. And in any recipe, I try not to crowd out, you know, the main star of the recipe with a whole bunch of ingredients. So I keep the simple, the ingredients very simple so that the star, the honey, can can shine through and you can actually taste the honey. So honey is great for glazing, even uh, just a simple 
mixture of honey and, say, some white wine and lemon juice would be a fantastic finish for, say, a pork roast or, or yes. for a pork chop on a grill. You know, if you want to throw in some fresh herbs, um, anything like that that is a flavor that you like, it, it can't help but make it better. can't help but make it good. So yes. a simple glaze like that. And, you know, also what... Um, I lay out in the book is how you can uh, use a honey-flavored brine to brine your meats, which actually, um, brining meats keep the meats, meats a lot more moist when they roast, you know, especially yes. when you're talking about larger cuts of meat. And if you're going to cook it um, through a bit more, say in the case of pork, or if you like your beef cooked you know, to medium, it will, it will maintain the moisture in the meat. Because it actually draws the brine into the meat itself rather than just flavor the outside of it. And so it allows you to cook it slower, allows you to cook it longer without drying it out too much. Okay. Yeah, now, so lots uh, of little tips. Some great tips in the book, Angelo. And, uh, you know, we're coming to a close here almost, but I, I just want to, uh, to let people know, where, where can we get the book? Where is it available? Well, it should be available uh, most bookstores. I, I know that uh, Chapters and Indigo uh, they carry it uh, on the on the island here. Uh, the major bookstores um, like Monroe's and Bowen's and uh, um, Chapters out here, you know, they they carry it. It's available online, and uh, if if um, it's not available in in your local town, then any bookstore would be able to order it for you as long as you provide them with the title they can search it and find it but it is should be available in most most stores now across canada what i like about the book uh, angelo yeah. it's it's unique uh nobody's really written a book about uh, uh for re- uh for honey uh to do with recipes mm-hmm. you talk you talk about the plight of the the honey bee you talk about your own experience as a as a beekeeper uh, right beside your guest house and, uh, you know, trying to raise bees. And uh, it's mm-hmm. a fascinating book about bees. If You know, I learned a lot just by reading the introduction. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. And, you know, and, I just I just wanted to kind of open up um, people's perception of, uh, of bees and, and honey itself. I mean, when it come down to it, I wanted to produce a, a cookbook. But it helps to have a little background, and, and that allows you to appreciate, you know, what these little guys do for us. These the, without the bees, we probably wouldn't have about um, a third of the food that we consume right now. We wouldn't have uh, nuts or, or fruits and a lot of vegetables that the bees are responsible for pollinating. Very true. And um, so, if you know, if we keep the bees going, uh, we'll we'll keep eating. And that's yes. what it's all about. We'll be healthy, too. Yes, we'll be healthy. You know, buy local. Um, you know, be concerned about what's what's around you. You know, don't uh, don't just take it for granted that we're always going to have everything we have. You know, it takes, takes all of us to work together. So, The book's called Honey, Everyday Recipes for Cooking and Baking with Nature's Sweetest Secret Ingredient. My guest is, has been Angelo Prosperi Porta, the author. And, uh, Angela, I wish you all the best uh, working at the camp campsites and and your trip to Italy back home uh, in the next uh, couple of weeks. And uh, yep. it's been great having you on. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. 
our pleasure as well. This is Stephen Nicole signing off for the Hospitality Industry News Network. If you missed the show or you want to listen to any other shows, they're archived 24-7 on my host page on voiceamerica.com. They're available on Stitcher, Tuned In, and iTunes, as well as Google Play. And I believe you could even upload it on Kindle. So uh, whenever you go to the next visit to the bookstore, check out Honey by Angelo Prosperi Porta. All right, we'll see you next week with another fascinating guest. Thank you for tuning in to the Hospitality News Network this week. Please join your host, Stephen Nicole, next Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.